Private Lender Podcast, Episode 22. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from an American proverb that says, Before borrowing money from a friend, decide which you need most. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and this is episode 22. This episode is set to air on Monday, May 28th, 2018, which is going to be Memorial Day in the United States. So I thought I would break ranks with my normal rotation of interview, solo cast interview, and just talk today about a loan that just got paid off that I've had out. I've I've, I've lent to an investor for almost two years that didn't go as planned, but I got I got lucky in the end. So I've been thinking about doing every you know every so often periodically doing an episode in a, in a series called the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And this is certainly going to be probably one of the good ones. It's it's not a textbook loan, but I'm going to go in depth about hopefully from from start to finish how everything uh, walk you through the entire process. Uh, so hopefully. It'll make sense to the listeners more for the beginners. So for you, you old schoolers, you old timers, uh, bear with me. I think it'll be worthwhile uh, for every, for all the listeners, nonetheless. But before we get into it, and before I have make my special Memorial Day salute, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The Private Lender Podcast is proudly sponsored by the following: the Realty Investment Community of Houston, or Rich Club, is the premier real estate association in Southeast Texas. The Rich Club provides its members with the education, resources, leads, and networking they need to earn more wealth with their real estate investments. The Rich Club has helped thousands of real estate investors realize their full potential, and they are ready to help you. Visit their website at richclub.org for more details. That's richclub.org. 713 Houston Area Real Estate Networking with Landon Rothstein and Ray Sasser. Come out and experience one of the fastest-growing meetups of real estate investors. Visit privatelenderpodcast.com slash sponsors for more information regarding 713 Houston Area Real Estate Networking Meetup. And now, back to the show. So, Memorial Day 2018 in the United States. Memorial Day is a holiday that honors the men and women who have died while serving in the U.S. military, while serving this country. And being a person who has definitely reaped the benefits of being born and raised in America— and being one who has never served, I'm extremely grateful for those who have laid down their life for our way of life. My grandfather served in the Second World War in North Africa and Italy. Fortunately, he, he came home and was able to, to spend the rest of his life with his family working as a, as a medical doctor in southern Oklahoma. But there were a lot of folks who didn't come home. And so for those who have fallen and for the family members of the fallen, I'd like to take a moment of silence. Thank you. And while we're getting drunk and barbecuing and swimming in the pools 
or going to the beach, let's keep in the back of our mind why we have Monday free, why we don't have to work for those of us who don't have to work. Anyway, let's get on with the show. So the good, the bad, and the ugly. In June, or about, no, I take it back. It's about March of 2016, I was approached by someone I had met at ARIA, Real Estate Investment Group, if I would be, if I would consider loaning on a house that was owned free and clear. That way I'd have the first position lien. It was a rental. I said, sure. And this individual said, well, I have some partners who are looking to fund a new business venture, real estate business venture, and they'd like to use the, uh, this house as collateral and, and do a cash out refinance on it. So I agreed to meet the partners. Uh, there, were, there were two of them. And they took me out to a very nice lunch. And we sat down and we talked points, interest rates, terms, how long they would need the money, what they wanted to do with the money, exit strategies if they weren't able to pay me back, so on and so forth. And there were two gentlemen who were forming a basically a fund. They were looking to purchase large amounts of rental properties, buy and holds, and they needed approximately $45,000 to get bank financing to fund their, their development, or not their development, sorry. They needed forty-five. They needed $45,000 in a bank account, in a checking account, to, to show to the bank that they had enough reserves to take about a million-dollar loan, $800,000 to a million-dollar loan to purchase some properties, and they were about 45000 short from having the cash reserves that were necessary for the bank. So one of the partners decided he would take a house, which was not in the best neighborhood, but one that certainly cash flows for rent. This house was near a city park and an elementary school. It was in a pretty rough neighborhood, but with those two amenities very close by, I figured, okay, it's probably not the worst house to, to loan on. Plus, I'm getting a first position lien. So the one individual, the one partner who owned the property, he and I went in. I got a first position lien. I loaned him $45,000 out of my self-directed IRA. In this particular instance, I had the title company's attorney draft the documents because the partner had asked if we could keep the expenses down. And rather than recycling documents, which I'm loath to do, I reluctantly agreed and said, okay. So the title company's attorney drafted the documents, and in the end, the borrower only saved about 100 or $150 that he had to bring to the table at closing. In hindsight, that's one of the last times that I ever used the title company's attorneys because they oftentimes just want to know the address, legal description, and the terms of the loan. And that's it. They really don't get in depth. They really don't ask any questions about your lending criteria, what you'd like to see done or the triggers, so on and so forth. They're just there to basically just kick out some documents that are legal and that will hold up in court if you have to foreclose. It's sort of the basic boilerplate variety legal documents. But nonetheless, I went ahead with it and everything was almost okay. This guy paid late every month, but usually by the 10th or the 15th, the money was in the account. There was a 10-day grace period, so 
rather than being a stickler, I said, okay, as long as the money's in by the 15th every month, I don't care. I just want to make sure that that interest is going into my bank or my self-directed IRA. Now, the terms of the loan, I should probably tell you that, were one year, 12 months, principal amount of $45,000, 10% interest only, balloon payment due at the end of the at the end of the 12 months and a point and a half up front. So at closing, the borrower brought $675, which represented one and a half points, paid the, the attorney's fees, paid the escrow fees, so on and so forth. I sent my the, the loan documents to my self-directed IRA. I read them. I approved them, signed off on the promissory note and the deed of trust because that's what we use here in Texas. Gave my approval, sent them over to the title company and my self-directed IRA wired the, the funds. Okay. That's a little bit of a long-worded way, long-winded way of, of getting back to, to where we were. But um, hey, I'm a, I'm a squirrel, shiny object guy. I apologize. And if you've listened to this podcast, any, uh, you know that. So anyway, uh, June of 16, the loan is funded. Everything's kosher. And by July 10th, I get my first payment. Okay, great. August, everything's moving forward. By August, everything's moving forward. This guy's paying on time. Well, every month, but but a little late. No biggie. I can I can look past that as long as the money's there. So 11 months goes by. I send an email saying, hey, the you've been paying as, as agreed. Everything's great. We've got the balloon coming up at the end of June. You know, please submit it in the normal fashion. With uh, I give these little payment coupons to all my borrowers so that when they send the the check in, the self directed IRA custodian knows how much to go in each account because I had I did have to split this loan across a, a few different accounts. And anyway, I sent the email asking them to do the normal payment, but just hey, give me you know make your interest payment plus the forty five grand. Well, June of twenty seventeen came and went. I did receive my interest payment for June, but I didn't receive the balloon. So July comes around, and I, he sends on the 7th, I got my interest payment. Okay, that's, uh, that's nice, but that's not what we agreed. So I sent a friendly email and tried to call, left a message to the borrower. Hey, balloon was due, and there, I don't want to, but I can charge a 10% late fee. Sorry, 5% late fee, not 10%. There's a 5% late fee on any payment that was due, any installment that was due. And since the balloon was due, I could get 5% of the the whole 45000 I said, hey, if you close it out by the end of July, don't worry about it. Just give me the forty five. Close out the loan. I'll have the, the custodian, my IRA custodian, release the lien. And the house is, once again, free and clear. And, and he's the only owner. I got no response, but I got an interest payment in August, and then another in September, and another in October. Well, in September, I decided to play ball a little, get a little more difficult with them. So I sent a, a letter, a notice of default, and intent to accelerate. Now, depending on what state you're in, the laws are going to be a little different. But if you have to foreclose, it's vital. It's, it's crucial that you follow your state's laws and if you don't know what those laws are, by all means, go to your RIAs, go to the meetups, find a real estate attorney, find someone who's familiar with them and works with, within those laws on a daily basis and ask 
questions. Learn your state's foreclosure procedures. Anyway, so I sent the notice of default, and I sent it regular mail, first class, with just a stamp, and then I sent it also certified return receipt. And two months later, the the whole thing was uh, returned to me. The return receipt certified mail was returned, unsigned for, but the regular mail, I can only assume, was delivered. So I emailed and once again got no response. So I decided to call one of the part, not one of the partner who I had, the other partner who, who uh, with whom I had lunch in March of, of sixteen when we we started this this discussion. And the second partner advised me that he didn't know where the first partner was. Their business had gone sour. He hadn't spoken to him the last time he'd heard. Uh, the borrowing partner was out of the country, and he wished me luck. Wow. Not the conversation I was hoping to have, but at the same time, what could this guy do? He didn't borrow any money from me. It wasn't his property. I didn't have any signatures or any, any paperwork between us or, or the company. This was I loaned to the individual, the other partner uh, of his of his company that had fallen apart. So I didn't even ask if they'd gotten the bank loan for the eight hundred grand to build their portfolio. At that point, I was pretty angry and started to worry about what I was going to do. However, I was still getting my 10% payments, interest only, every month into my self-directed IRA. So in one sense, I had a performance default. My balloon was not paid back. The loan was in default. I have every legal right to foreclose because that was not what was agreed on the promissory note. However, I'm making 10% and I don't have to do anything for this. I'm not having to go back out and find another borrower. I'm not looking at any other properties. I'm just literally sitting back and getting mailbox money, so to speak. Every month, that interest payment's coming in. Well, lo and behold, at the end of March, I get a phone call one day from the borrower who says he's ready to pay up. And my first thought was, it's about freaking time. Yeah, you better pay up. But see, that's a tough guy. I really didn't say that. that's tough. That's me. That's what I said to myself. I said that in my head, you know, as I'm driving, talking to him. And <laughs> that's an old Richard Pryor joke. Sorry. Anyway, uh, but there's, it, 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 the, the joke fits. Yeah, I was I was a lot tougher in my head than I was speaking with him. But I, I told him, look, you know, you've been making your payments. That's great. But you're in default. I can foreclose at any point in time. I noticed the return, the certified letter was sent back. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not go through the foreclosure process, but I did, the one bit of leverage I did have is, and I recommend you do this with all your borrowers. I don't care if they're in the in corp, they're in a corporation, an LLC, a, a limited partnership, whatever entity. Doesn't matter what business entity. Always get a copy of the driver's license and the social security card, and then. You could take that social security number and run it back against in the IRS to see if it's legitimate. That's you can verify it with the IRS, which I do with all, and it doesn't cost anything. Or you can pay a service to do a background check if you if you do that. However, I had checked with the IRS. I had signed up as a an employer and checked the uh the, the uh, listen to me stutter. I checked the social security number. It was legitimate. So I just politely, yet sternly, 
reminded the borrower that I did have the social security number and that this loan wasn't paid soon that I would file with the credit, the three credit bureaus. And apparently this guy had pretty stellar credit. So this is the last thing he wanted that got his attention. So this was in the end of March of this year, 2018. April came around and I got my payment. I said, okay. He hasn't paid off. I said, I got my payment. I mean, I got my interest payment, interest only payment. I didn't get the $45,000 back. May comes around and I don't get a payment. So I call him up. I said, hello, Mr. Borrower. Remember, as we agreed, you said you're going to pay it. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, give me a few days. I'll, I'll pay it. I said, well, please call me, text me, or send me an email when you do make the payment. That way I, I know to look for my emails from my IRA custodian. Whenever I receive a payment, I get an email. They tell me the check number, who it's from, and what it's for, and the amount. I didn't get any emails or anything. So I made another phone call. It, did, it went unreturned. And now I'm getting, not nervous, but I'm like, man, I really don't want to foreclose on this guy. He's a nice guy, but he's not paying as agreed. And why should I feel bad if he's not living up to his end of the bargain? So I contacted a lawyer friend of mine who, by the way, he drafts up my documents for me now. <laughs> not this particular loan doc, but he does uh, the last few that I've done. And I asked him how much for the foreclosure process. And he laid it out very nicely for me. He some attorneys want everything up front. You pay the retainer. They take care of the whole foreclosure process for you. He said, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he said, give me $600 now. I'll start the process. And if he doesn't pay in a week or two or whatever the time frame was, I can't remember. He said, do the other 600 and we'll, we'll, you know, make sure it's down at the courthouse on the first Tuesday of every month when, when the auctions, the real estate auctions occur in every county in Texas. And I said, wow, well, because this loan was in my self-directed IRA, any fees that I pay have to come out of that self-directed IRA. And I really didn't want to do that. So I called back. I called the lender back. I said, look, rather than going through a lengthy, you know, not a lengthy, in Texas is very quick, but a foreclosure process, instead of doing that, why don't we just do what they call a deed in lieu? So you're going to give me you're going to title the house back to me. We're going to wipe out the first position lien. I'm going to foreclose on you. I'm going to take it down. I'm going to take the the house away from you. And I'm going to I'll dispose of it however I see fit. I can put it in my portfolio as a rental, which would have been a good idea, uh, maybe even in a self-directed IRA, or I could wholesale it to somebody, fire sale it. I didn't get a response. And it started it started to, to worry me a little bit because I had overloaned. That's one thing I didn't tell you early on, did I? No, I overloaned. They they said the house was worth about seventy five thousand. And when I looked back through my when I did my comping, I saw that they were using basically flips, houses that had been fully rehabbed. They were going for seventy five and eighty thousand dollars. However, this house was a rental; was not in the best of shape. And so, in order to get it rent ready, or sorry, sale ready. If I was going to sell to a retail buyer, I couldn't expect that much. It's going to take more money. So on top of my 45, I'd probably have to put another 10,000 maybe into it to get it anywhere near 
sellable. So I felt like I was underwater on the loan. And that's why I always say, if you, I always make a distinction between what type of property you're lending on. If you're lending on a flip, that's one thing. You can use retail ARVs, after repaired values, when you're determining your loan amount. I didn't, and this is only two years ago. I'm still making mistakes, but I figured I'd share it with you guys anyway. So lo and behold, as I didn't get here back from the, on the, my offer for Deed and Lou because had I foreclosed, I would have gone to the credit agency. And not only does he owe me whatever difference I lost on the house, if I had a loss, I would throw on all my legal fees on top of that. Well, guess what happened the very next day? I got an email from my self-directed IRA custodian saying, we've received this check, $45,000 from this individual to pay off this investment. So even though I did not receive my May 2018 interest payment, I did get I have I have been made whole. And rather than having to spend twelve to fifteen hundred dollars on a foreclosure, I lose about three hundred two fifty to three hundred in interest because of the day when he paid me off. So I lose only two hundred dollars. In my book, that's a win. Losing $200 instead of having to foreclose is a small price to pay. Because let's, may, let's say maybe I didn't get that $45,000 back. Maybe this house got affected by Harvey. Now, fortunately, it did not. But there's still a bit of a stigma around houses near this neighborhood because the neighborhood very close to it did flood. So there's a bit of a stigma. And that's how things can chance. And just one example of how things can change and shift on you. I mean, Mother Nature can be a can be a beast, but in the end, I was made whole. I technically lost two hundred dollars. That's it, and I had made in interest only eight thousand six hundred and twenty five dollars to the positive, plus the points that were paid up front. To me, I equate this to a pilot landing a commercial, or not just a commercial aircraft, but any aircraft. If you can walk away from it, it was successful. I made money off this loan, and I consider it successful and a lesson learned. Don't be afraid to play hardball if somebody defaults on your loan. But this just reemphasizes the importance of, of doing, putting your loan to value in the right spot, doing your due diligence as the borrower. I mean, lender, because had I done my due diligence on this property and only loaned about thirty-five to 38000 on this property, I would have felt more comfortable foreclosing very quickly because I know I could probably get rid of it for the low 40s easily, even with the work that needed to be done, with or without tenants. So there's the importance. There's, there's moral number one of the story, loan to value. I'll be speaking more on that. I'll have some other guests to talk about how we derive that. Look at the comps. Look what the houses are selling for in the area. Notice that if they're a retail sale to an end buyer or notice if they're going to investors. There's a big difference. And I always discount rental properties and investment properties on my loan to value. So for quick math, if a house could sell for a hundred grand, brand uh, not brand new, but retailed, rehabbed to an end buyer who's gonna someone's gonna live there, owner occupant, seventy percent of that, simple rule, seventy thousand dollars all in, purchase plus repairs. However, if it's a rental, you might want to throttle that back down a little bit because always go into the loan with the end in mind. 
So worst case end, worst case scenario, I've got to foreclose. I got to get rid of this. So maybe I'm only going to, my, I would, my ARV would be 85,000 and then I would loan 70% of that, which put, which puts my maximum loan amount at 59,500. That's a 70% of after repaired value or, or loan to value in this case. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. I know it's been an interesting ride for me, and I wanted to share it with you. And I just want to remind everyone to please go to privatelenderpodcast.com slash sponsors to learn more about the great organizations that are sponsoring this show. And to remember when you're barbecuing or drinking beer or swimming by the pool or down at the beach or, hell, even if you're just out there fishing, doing something quiet, remember why we have Memorial Day. And let's honor those who have fallen. I want to thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.